0: The Hello,
1: everybody,
2: and welcome to the first. Happy hour episode of the third season of the chartographers Thank God. we're back <laughs> I don't know why I'm singing uh, but guys listen uh, I'm not sure if you heard our uh, a really incredible discussion that we had on Steely Dan but uh, it was it was a journey we went there and I fucking loved it it was, it was a, amazing arguments all the way across the board uh, and it was me Evan Soddy it was co-creator Taryn O'Reilly and oh. it was our chartographers all-stars JC Shakota and Ned O'Reilly. Joining us in studio and being wonderful people that just brought it to the knowledge that Ned has literally brought vinyls and we're gonna to get to them in a second, but we need to talk <laughs> about the thing that we talk about at the start of every happy album episode. Oh boy, guys! What's the worst Steely dance song? <laughs> <laughs> Scoff? Scoff Scof is the worst elite Dan song? Something from the most recent. Oh, ones, I almost want to I... do a qual. We could talk about terrible
3: yeah, songs. i well, we'll, we'll talk about those first and then we'll yeah, give a.
2: A special beat. shout out to the classic yeah. era. Um, almost
3: gothic is mine
2: <laughs> I would say uh, West of Hollywood off of Two Against Nature Close is, is, is. For really me, important. it's
1: Negative Girl. <laughs> <laughs> we I think, that I, talk is, about I, think that. I would
0: agree with that. Oh my yeah, god it's
1: like, totally. You know, nothing happens. Totally. I would agree with yeah. that yeah. nothing
2: yeah. happen. well that's out of the way classic era Steely Dan what would we say is their worst song what is uh, your
3: rival show me your rival are you saying that one no I'm just
2: oh uh, I just, was about just, to say just <laughs> like, I just these songs are their rivals yeah
1: um,
3: <laughs> um, I mean mine is still third world man
1: I agree with Third World Man because yeah. again it just doesn't do anything for me I,
2: it, I kind of appreciate the fact that it's on there for the sake of diversity but honestly because I, I heard on uh, Decade by Steely Dan their greatest hits compilation but really St. yeah East St. Louis to Lou just I know it's a cover yeah, but like, no, like I, I don't I hear that need it?
3: I if uh, Fair. is yeah. it the worst though? No. It's, yeah, it's you're right. It's essential, but it's not the worst.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's, fair. that's
1: it, fair. It only works because he plays what was probably a horn solo on the original Duke Ellington version as, you know, a squawk guitar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of fun. Which yeah. album is the song? That's, that's Oh, yeah. yeah uh, well, pressure. I
3: also appreciate East St. Louis Tootaloo into Parker's band. I feel like that's yeah. a nice little duo. Except that, that... That ends the
0: first side on the LP, doesn't it? On thinking, the vinyl, they were oh, separate really? sides. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course.
1: Well, I mean, it made you turn it over.
0: I yeah. suppose you know, but. yeah. Uh, with a gun, probably, but I don't hate with a gun. That's
2: you know fair though. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. I know. Wait, wait, wait. Haitian divorce. Haitian
3: divorce. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna go there. It's not the worst. I just, yeah. I just don't uh, necessarily appreciate it.
2: Wait, Ned, did you say yours? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I, that I third suggested oh, a third old man. That's yeah. right, yeah. Or that t- that t- might be one to, to agree with there. Most importantly, though, because we can't talk about it anywhere else, but I want to talk about it here because it's the happy minisode where we just dump whatever the fuck we want. Uh, can we talk about how much I fucking love FM? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is, like, yeah. honestly, one of their best standalone pop songs, if they yeah. ever
1: did. Well, the fun thing was, what happened was, while we were waiting for Gaucho, they showed up on the FM soundtrack, yeah. which was a movie... Uh, that Irving, Irving Azov been. is the guy okay? Okay. He was a manager mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. lots of different bands yeah. mm-hmm. And he landed the contract Saying get us artists for the soundtrack Of this record And he knew exactly who to get So so there's a lot of really credible artists Not obscure people It's uh-huh. very well known people And they specifically charged Steely Dan With writing a title song So you know you know, They've got their background <laughs> as as on demand songwriters From yeah. their songwriting days And so they were able to do it and it still got that sly, this humor. Yeah. And I mean, that you know, was them at the peak a, of their powers too, so it was a peak musically at the peak of their powers. And and, and the thing about FM in the seventies, I don't know if people think of it this way. Pop radio was AM radio. Mm-hmm. AM the AM dial had all the countdowns top forty and stuff, and that's where you heard kiss, nothing but singles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you heard the same songs every hour and all that kind of stuff. FM was a totally different thing. And it was you know you can get into technically the difference that it's a better sound and all that and so album oriented rock was played on FM and so Steely Dan actually got a ton of play on FM they really got a ton this is why when I asked my brother Bino you know what do you what do you want heard you know what's the thing the most important to say about Steely Dan he said Steely and Dan he said well you know they were the greatest assemblage of studio musicians anywhere and they had a lot of connections with the Doobie Brothers and you know and he you know he also pointed out. Now I've lost it. I've done this again. <laughs> I was talking about FM, right? Yeah. It was the yeah. FM thing. It's the Cuervo goal. Yeah, the Cuervo goal. But those are the, you know, those are the things he said about them. And, and, you know, they popped up everywhere. And so they were on the FM soundtrack. And they also had another single that was only on a Greatest Hits album that also came out during that time. Which was? Uh, Here at the Western Here World. Here at the Western yeah. World. Yeah. Which is an adequate song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this, the the... Debut single, which I think was pulled, which is Dallas. Oh yeah, they've disavowed Backed that. With, oh yeah. yeah. Which one? Dallas. Have you heard Dallas? I don't know Dallas. It's Jim Hoder on vocals actually. Oh, yeah. and that would explain why he hasn't heard Dallas. Yeah. yeah. It, I don't even know. If, yeah. There's like debate whether it was even actually released. Yeah. It was but, like sort of a contractual thing or something.
2: Moving up two spots to number twelve, it's Peg. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. let me just say though, uh I'm like to eleven. And I love FM, and that's the whole reason I bought Deck and a Dan just so I could have FM, like an actual copy of it though. Yeah. But also uh the solo careers of our dear dear men, uh Donald <laughs> Fagan and Walter Becker. It's a kind
0: of a mixed bag there.
2: Uh, the, yes it is, my friend. Cause like the Nightfly is a great record. It's a great, great record. Yeah. As, I, I can't Was it you that pointed it out that he just said, you said there wasn't the same bite as with Steely Dan? Yeah. Now, yeah, it was just a little bit too smooth, but like,
0: it's uh, still enjoyable. Thoroughly. Yeah, no, yeah. is great. Oh, I yeah, mean. Ned's got the vinyl. I would oh, put yeah, Nightfly, up with, would would put Nightfly up with actually a lot of Steely Dan records in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a little bit more of a straightforward, sentimental...
1: Affair because once again, it's just Donald and there's no Walter And it's record. like a concept
2: album about, like, you know, uh, well, here, here's
1: Donald Fagan's note on the lyric sheet for that record The songs of this album represent certain fantasies that might have been entertained by a young man growing up in the remote suburbs of a northeastern city during the late 50s and early 60s, i.e., one of my general height, weight, and build. <laughs> So Uh, clearly, that's why it doesn't have bite. It's he's he's clearly. It's a more romantic record, right? Yeah, Yeah. autobiographical,
2: which is fair. Which is absolutely fair. Still better than whatever the fuck Walter Becker put out for (laughs) solo. Twelve tracks of whack, circus money, (laughs) fuck off. Like legit, they're they're, they're not good records. (laughs) They are not good records. Like Like, these, like terrible. Eleven tracks of whack. has like him like
1: like almost like doing hip hop sling. talking about like here's here's what I want to talk about. (laughs) You guys in the main in the main broadcast you were praising Ricky lose that number a lot. Mm -hmm. And I liked the song and what I really like about it is it's indicative of the time because it was nineteen seventy four and Mellow songs ruled. I mean That song wouldn't get airplay on rock radio in certain eras since. But at that time, that was exactly what they played. And I believe by Billboard standards it hit number four, which is why you can say it was their biggest hit. But uh, Do It Again hit number six. So it was awfully close. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two that cracked the top ten because both Peg and uh, Rillian and Ears stopped at 11. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever you know, if numbers matter, thank um, yeah, like Casey.
3: I mean, the thing about also to anyone paying attention now, just a little context, like yeah. hitting number eleven in the seventies was still a huge hit. That's a hit. That's yeah. not number necessarily, a hit. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case anymore. Right. You can you can have a song hit number fifteen and you've never heard it anywhere. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I mean. But the other thing is that in in. More Modern Formats There's a ton of, of oldies radio Out there And a lot of us Listen more to that Than current pop Right yeah. And So when you listen To that In recent years Piano Man Is the biggest song That's <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever existed yeah. In history When it hit, stopped At 22 When it came out Check Born, out our season finale Born to Run Bruce Springsteen Or Edge of Seventeen Edge of Seventeen
3: yeah. Stopped at number 41. Didn't t- t-
1: even hate Tiny hit Dancer, 30. same thing. Yeah, Tiny Dancer, another one, too. Um, uh, wasn't even a single yeah. Tiny Dancer. And you would swear it was, like, was John's biggest hit, set because mm-hmm, yeah. it's all over all radio. Or, like,
3: for example, um, fuck, what's the Journey song? Uh, I can't Stop believing. Yeah. Peaked at number 6. Yeah. Like, was <laughs> beat out by a bunch of other hits. Well,
2: and, and, if, not, and if you ever get a chance, like, podcast...
1: Don't on Stop Believing didn't even crack the top 20. Really? But it is the number two most downloaded song on iTunes in its history.
2: If you ever get a chance, there's this amazing. <laughs> hashtag white people. This amazing episode of the Slate Podcast Hit Parade hosted by Chris Melanfi, where yeah. he talks about, he goes into like the war against the single that the record industry stood sure. out in the 70s yeah, yeah. and how chart formats changed for a while. Yeah. Which is why Don't Speak by No Doubt, because it was never a physical single you could buy, it was only on radio, never even charted on the Billboard charts, even though it was like the most dominant song. For like a fucking year and like years. Well, afterwards.
1: two things. One of the reasons I brought it up is that, really, in the year's, I would say, by all these radio standards, is their number one song. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. Ever. So when I mean, that was close just, out the concert with a Eurodance song and yeah. all these format, that's when you hear. Yeah. And and I don't I don't begrudge that at all <laughs> yeah but then, and then another one they pointed out too was that they
2: finally allowed airplay onto the charts in during the mid l- late 90s because during the time there was a fucking song by the Goo Goo Dolls called Iris off of yep. the City of Angels soundtrack yep. and I remember that thing being fucking everywhere yeah. you couldn't yep. go into a Mario shopping mall anywhere and not it was not like a number
0: it. one song yeah it was a, it
1: but was a they changed
2: the, the rules like 18 weeks into its run so it debuted quote unquote at number nine so it was a number one hit that never was essentially yeah. like bullshit like that speaking yeah. of there was an interview um, that it was I, even
1: worse before that
2: oh yeah but I, there was this interview I uh, saw where it was an NPR thing in 2005 when they were like kind of talking about everything must go uh, or 2003 everything must go and they mentioned how like well we are pretty much uh, universally acknowledged as the number one uh, band to play at supermarkets yes. uh, which was you know I mean and Donald Fagan are like well I'm not glad you
1: can at least well, you know, know, appreciate I, yourself and like it's that. true the outlets have changed and the, the big change really happened I think in the early 90s mm-hmm. and it was then that people turned around and said oh Country music and metal music outsells everything else. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Guns N' Roses and Garth Brooks were your number two artists in the country, mm-hmm. when a year before they were not even acknowledged by pop radio. Thinkers. Right, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, Garth Brooks, he revolutionized and brought country into the mainstream as a yeah. pop force for anything else. That's another podcast, let's though. Let's talk
0: about... Like, let's what get you back just, to the yeah, Dan. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> the Dan. Dan. baby! The Dan! What you said about how they're the number one played songs, you know, at supermarkets like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, whole, yeah. like... When you think about it, that's pretty fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Because yep. Steely Dan is an incredibly subversive band.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It's like,
0: yes. What, like what they sing about. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, you were talking about everyone's gone to the movies. Yep. Like, I personally think that song's hilarious. Not, not because, you know, oh, yeah, pedophiles are fucking hilarious, but just because <laughs> it's... The Chartographer, it, it, season three, just baby. In the ponies
3: they had to write that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just because it's, not it's just so like, shocking
1: it. and it's so... Yeah, to put it yeah. out on a record. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Like, are you was fucking kidding
0: me? Like,
1: this is... Yeah. Like, and I, you know... It's, well, that's what I mean about the puzzle, too. You had to stop and try to figure some of that shit out. What is this really about? What uh-huh. am I singing about? Did this yeah. stuff happen? Or is this a... They're you
2: know a drug trip. We watched their VH1 Storytellers, by the way. Yeah. It was fucking weird, man. Like they just didn't give a shit about the format. Like, they were
3: bad. At all. They were real bad at telling stories. Yeah, for one, their, their banter was was
2: <laughs> not good. some of the yeah. worst
3: I've seen. <laughs> yeah,
2: we watched. Uh, you sent us tapes of one. We watched one. Who's the guy that seems like oh Tom Waits? We saw I mean, that was that yeah. was amusing. Was oh,
1: here's like, here's the up. thing. I I guess I want to point out because I don't always. Uh, acknowledge this, but I think Fagin and Becker would say, well, they would have said, you know, a year ago when Walter was still alive, but but I think Fagin would still say that Steely Dan was not just Walter and Donna, but it was also Gary Katz. They produced, produced everything through Gaucho, and and their engineer, I think on all of them, was Roger Nichols. And these are two names that I only know from Stigley Dan. Gary Ketz didn't produce a lot of other people. Uh-huh. And you can look at the, the LPs if you want to verify any of this. But but I think got a that, that's guy. a lot of why we don't, we don't get an immediacy when they come back in 2000. Hmm. Yeah, they're even pictured on the back I mean, of of Kenny
0: And what yeah. rock band has their friggin' producer, producer and their yeah. engineer, right. studio oh, so,
1: hound? Yeah, like the, yeah. Denny, right. This
2: is Denny Diaz's photo. That's though. Denny. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a great that's, picture of Denny Diaz. Yeah, yeah. he's wearing a sombrero.
1: But uh, but the point is that they those two guys are really largely responsible for shaping their sound, and and they're not there when they come back in 2000. Mm-hmm. It's produced by Beck and Fagan themselves. Right. And and one of the things we didn't talk about in the main cast is that. I think one of the reasons the two against nature so slip is Fagan's vocals as adequate as they were at that point and not sensational anyway, are barry too. Yeah. You know, they're buried. He does not
0: morph the cow. And that's because well, he doesn't really I think deep down he's not really crazy about his own voice. His voice yeah.
3: I mean, his voice i think it's great. getting he, a know. lot more um let's say swoopy. As the seventies went on, he used a lot more like affectations. It wasn't so straightforward. Because I think he was maybe starting to get a little more confidence in his success and wanted to do some creative things. Sure.
0: Sure. He became more influenced by vocal jazz, I think. Sure. But then,
3: you know, while he did put out his solo records Mm -hmm. for the most part, especially since, you know, he doesn't love touring, he didn't use his voice for twenty years. Yeah Yeah, so you get to two against nature and it just sounds like shit. I'm I'll just go out and say it. Like it sure. sounds it sounds full on like just textbook bad vocals. It's a little pinched. And it's yeah. it's really pinched. Or it's, like a guy vocal
1: on a demo. Exactly. And it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even yeah.
3: it doesn't even necessarily sound like the same person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe part My of what's lacking changes, so much on these. Too, yeah. and, and maybe even if we'd had a, a handful of albums throughout those 20 years, the transition wouldn't have been so jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But So,
2: okay, so then there's the other question. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, from what I understand, Gary Katz, I think Roger Nichols is on the record as saying Gary Katz was the one who was most responsible for getting the best vocal takes out of Donald Fagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that... Yeah, like I they, have they, totally believe
2: that. Uh, I think another good question, too, is also, and I have no idea what, any base of this, Ned, did you ever see them live?
1: I did not. Okay. Because they didn't tour. Yeah. My brother saw them as an opening act for somebody. It wasn't Jay and the Americans, though. I almost feel like it was. What, like original era? Uh, yeah, like in 1971 or two. You fucking well, kidding well, me? He saw that lineup. That would have been unbelievable. Brother? This would be Chris. Ah. My only brother Chris saw them. He saw a bunch of, like, concerts on college camps he went to Loyola you know so mm-hmm. yeah and uh, yeah I mean that, that. I mean that's still true on a certain level but certainly in that era bands went to colleges because yeah. that's where all the kids were yeah that's where all the, that's where all their record buyers were they were on college campuses yeah. um, you know that's where all the long hairs were and they would buy this stuff and mm-hmm. you'd go and play and you know Steele Dan could be on a bill with you know the Fifth Dimension and Otis Redding and Jay and the yeah. Americans and Peter Paul and Maryers. I mean, he could. They just slam people together, and, right? You know, and so you'd sometimes be really surprised that an act you hadn't even heard of and you run on by the record so.
0: can we N- talk about the original band sure for a second so yeah. like the original
1: original band the original
0: original band I mean maybe we should explain it for people who don't really understand that Steely Dan was a real band mm-hmm. and then they were kind of just two guys with a bunch of studio musicians I think most people might know that but they might not yeah yeah, um, yeah the original well the original original lineup was David Palmer the, on, the
2: standard very generic blue-eyed soul vocalist yeah
0: just lead singer yeah. you know he has rock. terrible teeth Six, <laughs> I, six eye teeth according to yeah. Becker and Fagan <laughs> <laughs> oh wow All right. uh, and then Jim Hodder on drums uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter of course on guitar Denny Diaz on guitar and then Walter Becker played bass at first yep yeah. and then Donald Fagan on piano and vocals yep. so just I mean that was a great fucking band yeah, well, cause I
2: mean, J- and also this ties with the Steely Dan Doobie Brothers connection, too. Because yes. Skunk left them, correct me if I'm wrong, to join the Doobies correct. at that one point. And
0: Jim Hoder was actually offered to be the second drummer in Doobie Brothers, but he oh. was loyal to the Dan, because, ah. and at that point, on Pretzel Logic, they um, they didn't use Jim Hoder, even though he was still in the band, they used Jeff, I think Jeff Percaro, was, or Jim, or Jim uh, what's the guy's name? Fuck! He was on a lot of like uh, Which record? Beatles records. Talk uh, about Project. i yeah, I'll See if I
1: can find it here. Um,
2: Live research
0: in action. Yeah, there's only like 50 million session musicians listed on that. Jim it. Gordon. Jim Gordon. Would there be we the go. the drummer
1: they would have used. Yeah. Who played with you know many people. But uh, yeah, they kind of
0: screwed him over a little bit, and they didn't tell him, "Hey, we're you're not going to be in the band anymore." So he.
2: Lost out on that we Lost out on a... Disney well, and, well they talked about during the Classic Albums documentary about Asia, they talked about how like some of the session musicians would get a little bit miffed because they would be in there with these other great session musicians one day recording what a, they thought was... A full was band a of session great...
3: musicians. Yeah. And
2: then, and then they, they find out the next day they didn't, like, replace the drummer they replaced the whole band to get like a whole different set of studio musicians. An
3: entirely different set of musicians and just to see if that recording of it would be... Well, one of their
1: favorite go-to guys, and he's even on the Nightfly, he's on a bunch of their records, is Rick Derringer. Yes! Uh, Rick Derringer had one pop hit, uh, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, which is a great song. Uh But, you know, he he was a noise guitar guy and so it was very interesting if you knew the band at the time Really? They like Rick Derringer? Interesting. But yeah. they were buddies. But Derringer played on one of the songs on Asia, I want to say. He played the sly guitar in Showbiz Kids. Right. Yes. And, and they kept that. But on one of the songs on, on Asia, they kept him like all night doing it over and over and over again, this solo and then when the record came out, they used someone else's solo, and he he's on her on the rhythm part. That's it. Well, even yeah.
2: like even like the bassist was talking about how when he was recording Peg, how like he like wanted to do like an actual like you know, f- you know pop out the notes during the chorus. Oh, yeah. the slap bass. Yeah, the slap they bass. They didn't
3: want slap bass because slap bass was so popular at the time. It was yeah. everywhere post funk. Sure. And yeah, so yeah. he adjusted his music stand and turned away from them a little <laughs> Just bit. Play so they bass couldn't yeah. see that they were he was playing slap bass because he knew that that's actually the sound they were looking for, and then they kept it.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But then yeah. who was the drummer during that session, too, who did that uh, shuffle?
1: Uh, okay, uh, so Asia has seven songs it? on it. Was it Asia it? has seven songs yeah. on it, and there are six different drummers. <laughs> of course. Black <laughs> Cow, Paul Humphrey. Asia, Steve Gadd, Deacon Blues, Bernard Purdy. Purdy. Oh, Bernard Purdy. Purdy. Hagrid Morata. Home at Last, Bernard Purdy again. I got the news, Ed Green and Josie Jim Keltner. That's literally six different drummers on seven songs.
3: It's very funny that you say that because I can totally hear the connection between Deacon Blues and Home at Last now. Now right. that I know that it's the same drummer with his very signature
2: yeah with that shuffle, shuffle that style, he did, shuffle, I'm like oh that very totally. elaborate shuffle. Yeah, because
3: I also it's I don't like a think we, shuffle, we right? didn't yeah. talk well. It's because they didn't want a shuffle.
0: Yeah, but, so, so he did he, his own so thing.
3: He like modified his shuffle, so it was, was, it. Song, it yeah, was yeah, the sound not, they were looking for, but not, not a, shuffle. a shuffle.
1: Asia. Yeah. So let's um, double check. The bassist on on Asia is Chuck Rainey. On all but Deacon Blues, where Walter Becker plays it, okay, Chuck Rainey yeah. is probably the guy you're talking about. Yeah. and he's on a couple of their other records.
2: Too. Yeah. So can we also? I want to talk about legal things for a little bit because nothing thrills our listeners more than legal talk. What's a, f- a, what a divorce? What the? Yeah. What the fuck happened with Gaucho? What was going on with Gaucho that made okay. them break breakup? They were talking so, about so besides cocaine, women—they're all drug addicts. Yeah. And, I mean, we'll yeah. also into um, that too. I thought there was a thing.
0: Well, okay. So basically, ABC <laughs> Records. Got bought up by MCA records, yes. and so I think Ned, you were saying this that it originally was going to be released in like '78 or '79, like well, going on that album year cycle, right? Yeah, but it actually just got delayed from being released because there was like all this legal crap going on Mubo where, Trimbo. where you know, they wanted to be on Warner Brothers records, I think.
1: Right, they actually signed a deal with Warner Brothers, but yeah. they still owed one more, one I think, more record, to ABC, Which and happened. they got
0: bought up by MCA. But they's like, fuck MCA, we don't want to play, we don't want to give those guys anything, but. That, that's that, that, that's what happened. And yeah, and and then there's also well the song Gaucho, mm-hmm. that's um that was a legal thing because uh, oh yeah Keith Jarrett yes because he's an accredited player yes, or accredited. Which, and they songwriter. definitely I mean if you've heard that Keith Jarrett record I forget what song it is but the intro on don't don't like yeah. the piano part yeah. I mean that's straight ripped off from that song oh okay right. but, well, but which, the rest of the song is not which
3: they later admitted they were yeah. like we love that song and we're inspired by it so yeah. like,
0: here's some yeah. co here's or the right. Right they're right not up, the yeah. first band to do that yeah, no. yeah. Wait, and sorry. they won't be the last <laughs> they won't be the last
2: <laughs> yeah. right but why did they stop being Steely Dan at that point
0: Uh. I, I think, think Walter Becker had a ton was, to
1: do with and he was a yeah. mess
0: yeah you know Walter Becker was heroin addict probably coke addict, I don't know, barbiturates. And his girlfriend died of an overdose. Yeah, and he got sued for like $17 million or something by her her family family or something like that. Because
3: they claimed that he introduced her to drugs. Yeah, which which he probably did. Which probably fair. True, but... And he ended up Winning that lawsuit, he but it's still, I mean, it He was, got hit by the
0: car, too.
3: Yes.
1: Oh, I just read yeah. that today. He yeah. got hit by a car during that time. Yeah. And <laughs> had,
0: like, months of recovery. Yeah, he had, like, compound fractures in his leg yeah. and all that shit. But he was, you know a
1: mess and it was a mess that's yeah.
0: kind of why you know I because think you Gauch know the was night out, to
1: a degree. The was released in 82 that's yeah. only 2 years after after Gaucho was released so yeah, you know Fangin really was amazing. still going right exactly yeah. and that probably would have been a steely dan record had Becker been available right but then Becker all,
2: didn't but... he produce
1: Kamakot or whatever the fuck that name was oh yeah 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 he
0: produced it was like but weird I'm like in there. the 90s they like made solo records and like yeah. one of them produced the, the other
2: solo
1: records for whatever
2: reason <laughs> it's yeah just like so, I Weird. need to ask a personal question now, though. Ned, where were you when you found out that Walter Becker passed away?
1: Uh, I think it was just at home. Okay. I think... I think nothing, it too, be, yeah, nothing too... Yeah, nothing too great. It wasn't too <laughs> earth-shattering. Yeah. Because I remember... But it mattered to me a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? Yeah. It well, didn't matter more than um, Maurice White, everything went in fire, for example. I was pretty upset by that. hmm I was not. I mean, I was upset by Prince dying not because of his music because I'm not a huge fan but because it's fucking stupid that he died yes you know yeah. fully agreed Becker at least had a history that, that what? makes sense that he died but you know Prince yeah. was like oh my god Come David on. Bowie basically planned his death Oh so, you know, yeah, he, that's I a mean,
3: David Bowie quick side note um, saw a fortune teller who <laughs> predicted the date of his death three years before he died which that's is cool. why he planned his album release the way that he did yeah so it came out like two days and before it came he true like Yeah, that. he actually yeah. died, yeah. Right. and it was probably well. To be fair, though, I don't know that. it was, I mean, he had cancer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and when do you, when you're that progressed in cancer, there's yeah. a certain say, there's a certain level of holding on.
1: Well, That's plug. So mm-hmm. he knew, yeah. but anyway. So Becker. That's a great you know, album, by the way. Yeah. I, I did not know that Becker was was sick, but I hadn't been following them. Right. You know their news, but. Yeah,
0: I mean, it didn't surprise me because of his history, mm-hmm. you know, but.
2: It still felt like it came out of nowhere because at the very least he kept his illness pretty much a secret I was pissed
0: because I've been wanting to see uh, selfishly I've been wanting to see them for so yeah. long uh-huh. and I was going to two years ago at like yeah. one they to, like that desert trip thing or oh, think right. probably because like, I Old lived out yeah. for a little bit oh yeah Old um, Cella yeah. Old Cella that yeah. was where they were at yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like going to go to that and then I didn't and then he died and now I get to never see Walter Becker play guitar which is, sucks because yeah it would be cool to because he does the solo on Josie
2: yeah
3: and the
0: solo on Josie is like the the smoothest
1: story about Josie you know your aunt Cecily Taryn my oldest sister who was an absolute hippie as as a young woman and embraced everything hippie and I'll just leave it at that and uh, but as she has aged has changed some okay and she's (laughs) known in our family as you know an aunt because she has no children of her own that Uh kind of thing but she always said, back in the day, and she never has married, although she has a life partner, but she said in the, back in the day that if she ever got married, the wedding processional song would be Josie. How about that? That's one of the coolest things she ever said, and you should know that. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well... She said a lot of cool things, but for me... That's one of the coolest. If yeah. JC ever gets
2: married. I have a feeling I'll be DJing and playing so much. <laughs> and I'm
1: not talking about the reception.
2: Yeah. She wants to march down right. the aisle. You'll no, simply, but I'm talking about you'll JC just be playing
3: right. Gaucho. All That's,
1: all <laughs>
2: That's all I want. You want a, a kiss and all of a sudden Babylon
1: sister. <laughs>
2: The <laughs> do, 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 do. So but so, but <laughs> the other, the other legal thing though, the other legal thing though, is fucking Walter Becker the contract that they signed when they formed a band. There is this contract that they That's signed right. where, like, if one of us passes away, the other one will carry on in the spirit and, and you know, as Steely Dan, We just, like.
0: Five. Which is such like a tall well, chirp we'll
1: off thing you but do. But we'll when also you're have like old. full rights to <laughs> all of the yes, song music. Yes, which yes, apparently
2: Walter so. Becker's estate is like, nah, uh, I don't honey, think so. honey, no. <laughs> right. Like, like so
1: Fagan had to sue his estate in order to continue his steal down, which is just stupid. Yeah, but, so it's its own it's its own thing. So good uh, times.
2: Go figure. Any other thoughts, stories, ideas we
1: want to share? Fact okay. Of? Well, let's talk just a little bit more about that, that Doobie Brothers connection. Yes. We, yeah, we touched sure. on it a little bit and we mentioned Mike but Michael McDonough, of course was also hired away from Stewie Dan to <laughs>
2: um, and with, with the
1: Dewey Brothers and you know that's a whole other story but the Dewey Brothers their their main their <laughs> main singer song was Tom Johnston and he had a lot of health issues and wasn't right, yeah. able to tour mm-hmm. and that's why the Dewey Brothers were looking for new people and they got both Baxter to play the guitar parts yeah. and McDonald to handle some of the lead vocals and keyboards. Yes. And and since he was a keyboard player, he said, "Yeah, that too because the Doobie Brothers never had a keyboard player before that." Right. They often used Billy Payne from Little Feet, but he was only in session and so uh, live they played without without keyboards. And that's so now rock they was born. They could cover it all and mm-hmm. and it changed totally changed the sound of the Doobie Brothers. And it's, it, it's, I was, I and mean, we always, we all knew that in the 70s. Oh, yeah, these guys were both bands, aren't they? You know, and, and, you know, I'm sure the Baxter was just kind of bored. It's like, well, we're not going to tour anymore. What up? You know, yeah they, yeah. So. yeah. they also
0: didn't really like Jeff Baxter that much personally. This, in the I forget which song it is. It might be Bad Sneakers, where they go, Five names that I can hardly stand to hear, including yours and mine, and one more chimp is isn't here. That's about the Skunk. The chimp is Skunk. That's so oh, nasty. Wait wait, 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 can we talk about the Eagles-Steely Dan rivalry? Oh, yeah, Yeah. Sure. So, um, there's a, what song is it? I think Everything You Did, where they say, turn Turn out, up
1: the Eagles, the, neighbors, the are neighbors are listening. We always took that to be the band. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Yes. Yes. And it As is. As did the Eagles, yes. yes. Yeah. Did the so eagles. then at Hotel
0: California, the Eagles say, okay, I don't know what the fuck that's about. So there's the line they they brandish their steely knives, but they still can't kill the beast. Yeah. Which I think was basically like saying, like, yeah, you guys are like, I don't know. Your weak
1: sauces well, or something. No, it was more <laughs> like, like. The it, Eagles it, made a ton more money yeah. than well, they never I, did. Uh, yeah.
3: Uh, Steely Dan has gone on record saying that it was it was it was like an homage to, and it was oh, more of a yeah. friendly rivalry than it was like. But did the,
0: the, Eagles, but did the Eagles know that? Or? But I, it's history. I, I,
1: did anyone tell Don Henley? I don't think the, they did. the difference though is that people who like Steely Dan really like Steely Dan, and yeah. people who don't like Steely Dan just don't even know who they are, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. In that's that way, they're fair. they're like a high-profile cult band. Yeah. The Eagles are just massively head over heels yeah. popular and have sold shit tons of records oh. and, yeah. and sold out many reunion tours and all of that. And But people who don't like the Eagles hate them with a yeah. deep, deep yep. loathing. I've seen The I, Big Lebowski. And,
0: I, and Steely Dan seemed like the kind of guys that probably weren't into oh, the Oh, that Eagles. makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> like,
2: they would hear that shit and be like, "Nah, huh mm-mm, no. So, yeah. Alright, well, anything else you said? Oh, you?
0: Uh, hold on. I just had it. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk about Gaucho more, or... <laughs> <laughs>
1: um... <laughs> I'm going to say no, but I'll listen to you talk about I, it I if think you that want. the, the <laughs> chartographer
2: will license a spin-off podcast <laughs> for JC where he goes track-by-track, track, dude, day.
1: Day, and I already said we made the pillow. Yeah. Was that recorded? Was that part no, of No, that was not. That no. that okay, good. so I'll tell that story again. Oh, God. So back, back in, you know, 1980 <laughs> or so, my wife and I, newlyweds, doing Christmas presents, we, we did these two pillows where we... Made a pillow-shaped record or a record-shaped pillow. I guess what it is. Yeah, that'd be right because <laughs> it was puffy. You couldn't put it on your table, but it was right And so the, the pillow case was the album sleeve, and we did two of them. One of the ones we did was Gaucho. We just hand I hand drew the picture, and the lettering, and we gave it and we got the right color fabric for you know the album cover, and we gave it to my friend Dave as a Christmas present. Wonderful. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I know what JC wants, and if anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know if, if there's any Etsy crafters out there that I'm would like a shout out. JC, gaucho it's, pillow. <laughs> it's thechartographers at gmail.com. That's how you get a hold of us. Yeah, just let us know. Uh, well, guys, listen, uh, thank you so much for being here. I think, oh, yeah. I think we've satisfied. I think we've done right by the Dan. I think. Oh, uh, I, I
3: remember what I was going to oh, say. God. Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't two of their band members also go on to form Toto?
1: Yeah. Yes. Jeff well, that would be yeah, That's Jeff good Porcaro. That up. Jeff Porcaro was an in-demand uh, session musician. I believe he later had suffered a premature death of cancer in the '90s. But, but Jeff Porcaro was one of their favorite drummers, and he's he's on. He does every song on Katie Leigh, I think. On Katie Leigh, and he's he's on and, the, and on Gaucho. I think he's on a lot of Gaucho. He he plays. Yeah, he, he
0: actually does like, the drums on Gaucho. And a weird factoid about that: we never talked about Wendell, the drum machine by the way. No, we didn't. But anyways, we don't need Um, to. Well, we could. We can. Basically, uh, Wendell, the drum machine was a drum machine designed by Roger Nichols, like invented specifically for Gaucho. So that's why it's very kind of like mechanical. But anyways, one of the only live takes on that album is uh, Jeff Percaro's drumming on the song Gaucho. Okay. And I guess it wasn't just one take. It's like a combination of like 50 takes. Yeah. Where they literally edited together like individual oh, hits. That's stupid. It's it's not.
3: That's no. it, yes, that I because I remember it. reading about Wendell, and so they did that for the song Gaucho, and then they were like, Well, we wish we could just do this for the whole album and just take like the exact hit that we want and just keep using yeah. it so it's not an imperfect yeah. take. Yeah. And then he was like, Oh, I can I can make yeah. that happen and designed this drum machine, which is yeah. why it then later became like a Grammy winning drum machine. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we, you know, we were all psyched when Toto emerged as a band because there were all these session musicians that had been on people's records like Stealing Down, and we were just kind of amazed at how bland they were. Yeah. I mean, I liked the first record, but I was, you know, 19 at the time, and yeah. I didn't listen to I mean,
2: it's nothing it compared but to Toto 4, <laughs> let's be real.
1: Well, part of it is, you know, even if the drummer's really good, you still got to have a song, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but there were three Park Hero brothers in Toto, oh. and the other guy that had played with Steely Dan's keyboard is David Page, yes, was also one of the singers and keyboard players in uh in Toto.
2: Nice, one of my favorite things ever, and it's not available anymore because of conglomerate whatever things, but the Onion AV Club for a while they did yeah. this, uh. Undercover thing where they had a list of like twenty songs and oh, that's gone bands now? would come on. Yeah, I can't find the video for it anymore. They would have bands come on and choose from the list, and like the later band would come in, the fewer songs you'd have to choose from to cover. It's all
3: gone. Yeah, that's so I sad. can't find
2: because the whole. I was looking all week because I remember there's this one indie rock group called Hospitality. Maybe it's hiding on the they, internet. I know, they, but they okay. did this bitchin' fucking rock cover of Ricky Don't Lose My Number. Like, sped up guitars, temples, like, cranked up, like, twice as fast. And it's, like, not, like, crazy female vocals, but it's just, like, damn, it was, like,
1: solid. It was so we good. Did, we did mention Rick Derringer. Uh-huh. He's Ricky in Ricky Don't Lose That Number. Mm. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Even though they chase the spelling. Yeah, I mean. So it looks like an Indian name, but, yeah. but yeah. uh... Yeah, they they wrote it for him. Well,
2: I hope you all are writing down these notes for our quiz that we'll be posting (laughs) on our Facebook page later of, you know, factoids. It's not going to happen. Don't even think that it's real. Uh, But I do want to say at the very least, though, Thank you guys both for being here. Truly, I feel like again we've done right by the Dan. They they know you know know, what piece. We're pouring one out for Walter Becker right now. We're pouring a little vial of cocaine onto the floor. Pina Oh, pina coladas. There we go. Fantastic. Yeah. Pina coladas work. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Fantastic. All right. Well, in that case, guys, do us a favor, please. uh, Go on Facebook and leave your rankings and your other thoughts about the Dan. Uh, We'd appreciate it. Also, we'd appreciate if you threw a review of us on iTunes, so other people could see it, and also SoundCloud, all the other places that we're on. Uh, In the meantime, uh, thank you for listening the key season three keep on listening you know that we'll be have a good one good bye. Bye. babylon sister <laughs>